Welcome everybody to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we had another weekend of cornhole in Bryant, Texas, um, which to me was like a Texas Open. <laughs> Just yeah. like mostly yeah. Texas yeah. people. Like I was thinking, man, it wouldn't have been a hot take, but to be like, I bet you somebody from Texas will win in Texas. <laughs> that's what it came down to. So we'll get into the details of that. Um, we also have Overreaction Monday and news around the league. Then we'll get into our first Canada Open coming up uh, this weekend, January 26th through 28th. And then we have our over-under game and, of course, our hot takes. Um, so, yeah, t- Texas, Trey, did you get to watch some of that? Yeah, I got to watch I got to watch pretty much all of of the, the, the doubles action. I got to watch a good bit of that. And then – but uh, I was actually – helping to live stream a regional here in Rock Hill on yeah. Sunday. So I got to, I was, I was jumping back and forth on the single side, got to catch little bits and pieces there. But yeah, I mean, it was like an all Texas, even final four on singles. It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty stout competition, even though it was, you know, one of the smaller fields, it was, it was a late scheduled open. Right. So we knew we were fighting that, that crowd. So, um, but at the same time, I mean, Really, it wasn't like it was easy. I mean, you look at who beat who and who was there at the end, and it was pretty brutal top to bottom with the, the level of talent that was there. And I think it goes to show how deep Texas really is as far as even at the, at the top level, how, how, how a number of top pro players are from that state. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony, how about you? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think a lot of those finals actually happened at the same time. I think Trey was calling a regional at the same time the open final was going on. And then we had the other one in, what was it, Iowa or wherever it was, where Harbaugh and Smith and Richards were at. So it was like, it was another one of those days where you have like, every mobile device you have, you have on a different thing. And you're just like, <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, plus football. I mean, playoff football happening football. at the same time. I mean, it was a lot. We were actually driving to San Francisco, so we had it on in the car. Um, but yeah, we were we had both football and cornhole going on the drive uh, to make sure we get all that in. Um, driving so, to San Francisco. Is that a, did you go to the game? No, you know, it's so funny is so we, my favorite DJ happened to be in San Francisco. So we planned this trip a month or so ago to go see him. And then I, that was obviously way before. And then they made the playoffs. Yeah. And then, so they're like, should we try to go to the game? And we were going to, but it was pouring rain. I'm like, I don't want to go yeah. sit in the rain. Like I'd rather was sit in my nice hotel and watch it on the TV in the comfort of a chair. <laughs> Dry. So we Misha's actually were all about comfort. Misha's all about comfort. I live yeah. for comfort, <laughs> <laughs> which reminds me, I was so mad because apparently this club had the dress code and I meant, which meant I had to wear like heels and stuff. I'm like, what? Oh no. <laughs> no, I don't see that. I don't see no. Misha heels. Come on. I was so mad. I'm like, this is a, <laughs> this is a sick it concert. I know he's showing up in a hoodie and Nikes. Why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> Not fair. So we had a good time, but yeah, long time. Mish doesn't like extreme heat, no rain. There's a very limited window that we we like for weather for Mish. Well, I did grow up in Southern California, so. (laughs) (laughs) And I lived at the beach for uh, many years, so I was able to check those boxes quite regularly. Right, right. All right, let's get into the uh, Texas Open. Our winners, singles, Logan Chamberlain, doubles, Jackson Gore and Sammy Soto. Women's, Bella Soprenit, seniors, Steve Schrader and juniors Jackson Gore. Um, good weekend there for Jackson. I know we're going to get into more of that later too, but uh, what were your thoughts on the event and the winners, Trey? 
Yeah, I, I, I tweeted out. I called him the tired of team. Uh, Jackson Gore and Sammy Soto. Sammy Soto tired of hearing all about yeah, Ryan yeah. Trader and Jeremiah <laughs> Ellis and Caden Allen and all these, all these other rookies. Sammy's like, hey, guys, I haven't been going to anything, okay? I'll show up when it matters, right? So ultimately, Sammy Soto gets a big win. And then you have Jackson Gore tired of his brother, Jake Gore. <laughs> Everybody talking about Jake. It's like, hey, two years ago, I came in fifth at Worlds and there was nothing there for me. And then all of a sudden, Jake has this really good year. And all of a sudden, he's the center of the world. This is ridiculous, right? So the tired of team of Jack Gore and Sammy Soto get, get the big dub. And I think that was, it was great. I mean, I think it goes to show where they are as top players, right? And then we saw Sammy carry that over into singles. So we know where, yeah. where Sammy is across the board. And I think he continues to show that he's going to be right there in that conversation of rookie of the year. He's telling people, I'm not on your ballot right now. And I don't care. I don't care. I, I will get there. I will be there at the end. And I think if this weekend taught me anything, if I'm going to take a little bit more of a big picture approach, mm -hmm. is that creating a top 10 of singles and doubles is literally impossible. <laughs> literally <laughs> impossible. How in the world am I supposed to take the top 10 that we just created a couple weeks ago? How am I going to fit Logan Chamberlain in there? How? How am I going to do that when I can't break my Alan Rawls rule? I can't take Alan Rawls out of the top 10, right? How are you going to fit Jack Gore and Sammy Soto in there if you prioritize some of these other players? I mean, it's crazy how stacked this this year has become, and I, it, it feels different. I mean, I feel like the, that top 10 barrier of what we think of when we think top 10 has almost moved into a top 15 a top 17 in a way. I remember mm -hmm. doing this two years ago. It was, I know who the top seven are. And then like eight, nine, 10, just, you know, maybe who's hot that day or something along those lines. It's not like that now. Now we're forcing people out of that range that at any given time can go and win the whole thing. I think that's the main difference is that fundamentally now that that pool of players that can go on a run and win the whole thing is is very different um so I, I thought that was interesting to see the tired of team and and uh you know really excited to see them on the single side look logan chamberlain wins and open in singles shows that he is not just a doubles player Boom. first of all that is an incredible feat in itself here's the other part that blew my mind if you think about Logan Chamberlain and the style of play that he plays with, I want to ask you a question, Anthony. Logan Chamberlain wins an open. What guess his four bagger percentage for winning that entire open? You know, I think it, I think this one would have actually been higher than we think, at least the way. Because he's a guy that can throw a ten plus in a tournament and a one DPR with roll bags. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say fifty percent. It was exactly fifty percent. Wow, which blew my mind. Blew my mind because I'm thinking in my head that Logan Chamberlain is a guy that's gonna throw. You know, if he is throwing a low ten, I mean, he, he, 
the people I expected the four bagger percentage to be 25%. I mean, oh, half. When we talk 50% four baggers, we're in Matt Guy territory. Yep. yep. Okay. Logan Chamberlain had two different games in the bracket king seat matchup. His bracket king seat matchup against Gavin Cano. Logan Chamberlain at one point threw 55 out of 56 bags in the hole. Wow. Dis- wh- who? <laughs> who is this Logan Chamberlain dude yeah. throwing 55 out of 56 in the hole? Then he goes on to the finals, has an off game. He only throws 52 out of 56 bags yeah, in the hole off game. in the overall yeah. final, holds Sammy Soto to four points, right? He had a 10.34 total PPR across the entire tournament. He had two games out of his eight that he played in singles, two of them he had above an 11.3 PPR. That is insane to me when I think about conceptually who Logan Chamberlain is and the style of player that he is and shows that he's adjusting his game and can adjust his game when he needs to. I think that was a big difference between what I saw last year and what I saw this year. For his ability to run bags like he did and mix in those shots makes him just an absolutely deadly player. And I'm serious when I say, like, how do I find room for this guy in my top 10 when I look at it? Especially when you look at guys like Caleb Batson, who I was kind of worried about coming into it. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But Caleb Batson, in a way, he makes a Final Four. He loses a close one to Sammy Soto, and I'm supposed to just kick him out. Gavin Cano continues to showcase to me that he's consistently a top 10 player. He's always there at the end of tournaments. Is he getting some first place finishes? No, but he's right there at the end. I mean, do I punish a guy like Fisher Hamilton, whose only losses are some of these two of these best players who eight, 10 months ago was winning national events as a 17 year old? All of these things play into the conversation of that, that bar of top 10 to me. If I'm trying to keep it in the same place, there's no way I can physically fit just 10 people into that category now. And it just has to conceptually become something different and it's not like it, it it can't just be who has the potential to win it. it 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 is becoming more of it has to be results driven right you're gonna leave someone out like justin burton jr like he's not gonna be a top 10 player right now because he's not consistently finishing there at any given time is he gonna be number one he absolutely could be and normally in past years that was good enough to get you there and i just think that's a stark contrast and a difference to, to, to where we are now. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to keep mine specific and my thoughts specific on those two winners and where they were um, and what it means for the overall game. But um, Logan Chamberlain, Sammy Soto, Jackson Gore really coming out swinging and, and making a name for themselves very close to the start of this pro season now, less than 90 days away. Absolutely. Anthony, how about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, to feed off your thought about how do you fit into the top 10, I think the answer is going to be where you were kind of leading to, Trey, and that's consistency. You know, back in the day, it was like, you win a big tournament, you could stay in top 10. I think your top 10 is going to be those guys that consistently, maybe they don't even win a tournament. You might have a guy that's consistently second and third and ends up third best player in the world. Those guys that can repeatedly be in the top three i think that's where your top 10 is going to be um yeah just to feed off a few different ones uh just a second about jacob gore and steve schrader uh what a fun run for those guys clashing techniques completely different game plans 
They take down a team like Fisher Hamilton and Ethan Walker who have a same style game, same style strategy. They win that one 21 to 10, same style bag. Um, so really good run for those guys taking third place, losing to the uh, eventual third place team in that third, uh, that, that kind of deep matchup there. Um, Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfield versus Braden Wilson and AJ Sims just to feed off of my hot take from last week. I was saying, hey, Ryan Smith and Ryan Wienfield are um, on my top 10 list. But then we have this kind of, I don't know what to think about a Braden Wilson and AJ Sims inside 15. I think that they could be a top 20 player, but are they a top 10 team? So I kind of said, hey, let's put it out there. What about Braden Wilson and AJ Sims finishing better than Ryan Smith and Ryan Wienfield? They did really good out of the gate. They went five and one in rounders, came into the bracket as the sixth seed. Smith and Wienfield went four and two in rounders. Now they had some brutal matchups. Uh, in that in that rounders, uh, just just to say that one, and then they went in as the twenty fifth seed. So an early loss for Smith and Weedenfield took Creek Killer and Renard. Renard was throwing gas. Okay, boy. I mean, he was like, I want to say he was almost a ten through the entire tournament for an Austin Reynard. So certainly holding up his side of the board. But then Smith and Weedenfield did some work in the loser side. They won four straight. A big win over Hamilton and Walker ended up finishing fifth. Wilson and Sims finishing ninth in only two brackets in Texas. So for them, they certainly uh, went out there and didn't perform to the way that they think they can, because I think they can win brackets. So, um, you know, blew up my hot take, but it should be that way. You know, the Ryan's on my top 10 for a reason there and the Wilson, Wilson and Sims are not. So uh, kind of solidifies them outside of the top 10 for me. Um yeah, just kind of looking at the rest of the field. You talked about uh, Logan Chamberlain and Gavin Cano. What I liked about this one was they were both coming in as the only two players to have two open wins and doing it with two different doubles partners. So here's a chance to come in and win a third open doubles championship with a third uh, partner, essentially, and made a solid run. Um, you talked about Logan Chamberlain. I think his ability to collect on the outside or reverse side is unmatched. He has the ability for a right-hander to collect bags out to the left side. It kind of blows my mind sometimes. Really comfortable with the slick side of that bag. The ability to throw a slight reverse cut and positioning that bag. Your line has to be perfect. Otherwise, you end up with two bags off to the left side. You're giving up four points instead of a four-bagger. So um, he just has an all-around game there. Gavin Cano, of course, uh, continues to kill it. Trzinski and Almanza taking third. I think Almanza's showing I have that consistency. You know, even though I'm not working, he's, he's been open about saying I'm not able to work at my game right now as, as I have in the past, but he continues to show out. I love Trzinski's grit, and I think we see that just off of the boards. You know, we see that uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who is maybe 160 pounds wet, and he's out there bench pressing type two times his weight. You know, this guy, I think that just shows the grit that he has, that mentality uh, in his bodybuilding journey is translating over to the boards as well. I think, you know, he says, I don't want to be just a top 10. I want to be the best player in the world. And I think that that mentality could get him there. Don't be surprised if a Trzinski is a top player in this game, number one or number two. Uh, but yeah, to just speak a little bit more about Jackson Gore and Sammy Soto, I'm really proud of Jackson Gore right now. You know, we're talking about a kid that came in and showed success right out of the gate. As a rookie, he was a top 12, 14 player. He fell off, you know, some personal things in his life. This guy got attacked by a dog. So he's dealing with that trauma, trying to work through that all season, 
you know, um, dealing with what it did to him physically, not only mentally. And man, is he on a comeback right now? And and it was perfect timing, Trey, for you to go through the comeback player of the year, uh, you know, to put that on our agenda last week or the week before. You know, I picked Jackson Gore as the comeback player, um, wins it in doubles, kills it in singles. Uh, the kid threw a 10.13 in doubles, second best. He threw a 115 DPR, second best. Second best to who? Caleb Batson in both categories wins both PPR and DPR and why he's my number one player. Um, Batson absolutely fried whoever was standing next to him in that, in that matchup. It was Kale, It was uh, Eddie Grindersleeve's side of the board. We got to start a questioning a little bit. I know I've been saying they could suck all the way to the open and I'm not worried about Batson and Grindersleeve. I am worried about Grindersleeve <laughs> a little bit in singles, <laughs> but I think that they figure it out. Come the pros, the uh the pro time in uh, in doubles uh real quick on sammy soto this guy can give two shits about his ppr 37th in ppr but guess what he forces opponents to an 8.23 he smacked the field with a one dpr fourth best in the bracket and together him and jackson gore take down the championship like you were saying mish a combined age of 30. We got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old going out there, taking it down. Um, and to do it with a 2-0 and versus Chamberlain and Econo. Two matchups, got him twice. Uh, crazy talented. And, uh, you know, it really solidifies them in my top 10. I'm not sure if anyone else had them in their top 10, but I did have Soto and Gore in my top 10. So it was good timing to solidify that. Real quick in singles, just to touch on a few. Caleb Medenka, Mish. We saw him in the rookie showcase. This was a good peek at Caleb on his home turf. What kind of a player could he be in singles? Ninth in his bracket. Uh, I don't hate it. Uh, it just means we're looking at the right rookies for a rookie of the year run. I don't think he's in that top five, and that kind of solidifies it for me. Alex Hicks, ninth in bracket. I got to follow him a ton. I was excited to see him in cash uh, team up and double, so I caught a bunch of their, mat his mat their matches. I watched a bunch of Hicks in singles and I actually saw where he's efficient in his game. I can see right now where Alex Hicks is kind of falling a little bit in what we've saw as a potential top player in the game. Here's how it boils down. I'm just going to get a little bit technical because I think there are some, some geeks out there like me that would like to kind of walk through this, but we know Alex Hicks is an elite level roller, right? The ability, all those, the, any backloaded shot, the ability to, Roll, roll cut, bicycle, whatever you want to call it. He has the ability to shape shots. The problem is, is in, and we talk about release and we talk about how to throw a flat bag and just the real basics. You know, we're going from a fist to a flat palm and that flat palm, let me see if I can get to this camera. That flat palm is going to point towards the board. If we look at a Tony Smith, how does he throw a roll bag? He does a little bit different than everybody else, but instead of going fist to palm, he goes, it's almost like a windshield wiper. He goes fist to flat palm up. So you're seeing the back of his hand. He's basically going in this windshield wiper motion. That's important. JBJ, Logan Chamberlain, Gavin Cano, these guys, they do it in a pinky finger down and it kind of stair steps. So you kind of have this pinky high ring, middle, then pointer, and it kind of goes in this stair step. Either way, it's important to get the pinky or the backside of your hand higher than the front. And that's going to give you that top loaded bag. With Alex Hicks, he throws it as his standard bag. So what's happening when he tries to push? He's getting that front load into a push. It's getting the hop when he doesn't want it. He's not translating all that energy to a push to the hole. 
So many times, guys, I saw him on an open hole. He hopped the open hole. Perfect line, perfect speed, hops the hole, sits right on the back. So I think with Alex Hicks, if he can just figure out how to, in those times, get that flat palm down, point that finger to the board, don't have the windshield wipe or the standard roll kind of stair-stepping of the fingers, get that thing flattened out, get a flat bag to the hole. That cost him a bunch of points in this. And when he actually needed, I think he could have went deeper in that. So a little, little detail there. Where's Dylan Turpin at right now? Um, and coming into this one, I was kind of excited to see Dylan Turpin, AJ Sims, Ryan Smith, Eddie Grindersleep. I think if you talk about those four guys, I think they're all jammed right in the same ranking. Um, so kind of wanted to see how they laid out. We don't get a lot of D Dylan Turpin. We don't get a lot of AJ Sims or Grindersleep. So here's a look. You know, one, you know, we're not getting 10 looks like a Ryan Windsor. We're getting two looks at these guys. Dylan Turpin, 13th in his bracket. And again, we're only talking two brackets. Now he beats AJ Sims. I think a big win for them, especially if we're talking about those guys being pretty similar in rankings, then loses to Ryan Smith and Brandon Martinez. Dylan Turpin definitely went out there to do much better than 13th in two brackets. Uh, Grindersleeve 17th in his bracket. I don't hate the, the loss to Fisher Hamilton, of course. He loses 21-5 to Ian Cripps. I think that's a win that he needs to get to an Ian Cripps. You know, we talk about him being a a doubles champion, but where is he at in doubles? AJ Sims, 17th in his bracket. Um, now his losses, Jackson Gore, who obviously went on a tear and he loses to Dylan Turpin. So two tough losses there. But if I look at Sims and Turpin, does, does Sims now kind of come up a little bit, um, you know, on the beat on AJ Sims? I don't know. Uh, and here's the thing about AJ Sims. He's going he's gonna to run bags. You might think, some people might think AJ Sims is a role guy. He's going to tell you, I'm not a role guy. Now, I might throw a dedicated tilt bag, and I have the ability to shape shots, but he's not a roll guy. He is running bags with a carpet bag in the tilt position. He throws a 10 through the whole tournament. Not going to cut it with that game plan. AJ Sims is going to tell you, I need to throw a 10.3 to win the tournament. So if you're dedicating yourself to that style of game, you can't win like Sammy Soda with a 9-2-1. You need a 10-3 to win a tournament. Two different, two different styles of games there. Ryan Smith, 19th in the singles bracket. I don't hate it. We get a lot of looks at Ryan Smith. We know he's consistently good. Here's a guy that we see multiple times. I don't hate it. Bella, 25th. Interesting. Donovan Sinelli. You mentioned him on the show uh, last week, uh, Mish. So trying to get a, another look at a guy, and a rookie. We just don't know where he stands second to last in his bracket. So again, I feel good about the rookies that we have our eye on right now who are going to be threats in this league. I don't think Donovan Sinelli is one of them. I think he could still be a top 100 guy. I think he does have that skill set, but we're not going to be talking about him as a top 25 guy. Uh, man, I've got so much stuff to talk about me. <laughs> oh, man, I had some really good stuff. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. <laughs> okay. So, are uh, you good, Anthony? Yeah. I was going to go into more detail on Sammy Soto. Go ahead. Hey, okay. let, me just, let me just finish with this. Okay. You kind of brought it up, Trey. We've been... We've been talking about Caden Allen. We've been talking about Ryan Trader. We've been talking about Jeremiah Ellis. You said Sammy Soto saying, yo, guys, are we sleeping on this guy right now as potentially the rookie of the year, do you think? Uh, no. I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think we're sleeping on him. Okay. I mean, look, you can't if – if we're sleeping on him because we're giving credit to other people that have gone out there and done some really good stuff, then fine. I guess that's sleeping on him. But I, I – that's not fair. That's not. I don't think that's fair. If you say you're sleeping on Soto because you're giving credit to Ellis and Trader and what they have accomplished, I think that's 
essentially unfair because they they've done it right and Soto just did it so now yes. he gets to be a part of the conversation and I think that's that's important I agree I agree yeah absolutely he just hasn't traveled to as many that's all moving into overreaction Monday number one Jackson Gore will be the better Gore brother this season not an overreaction <laughs> I I I hate to say it, but I think Jack has looked better. Uh, you know, will he carry it the entire year? Here's the good news. The good news is we're going to see the best version of the Gore brothers that we've seen when they're both throwing really, really well, right? And we, there will become a time this season when we get a really cool matchup out of them. It might not be in a broadcast. It may be on a live stream, but it's going to be for something important, and that's going to be really cool and entertaining. Right now – Jack Gore is better, not an overreaction. All right. Anthony? I'm going to say overreaction, but Jackson Gore is killing it right now. One of the cool things about this weekend is we got those boys in a head-to-head. What do you What do you think about Jake Gore walking around saying, ah, I, let, I let him win so he can, he can have his spot in the uh, juniors. I let him win. What do you think about that? <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. It was a joke. I'm sure it was a joke, uh, but he was like, because <laughs> I think the way it works, you got to win, right, Trey? You got to win a juniors event to get in. Jack's already yeah. in or Jake's already in. So oh, yeah, uh, I, let, I let him win. I let him win so he can have a spot. <laughs> that's convenient. That's convenient. I got it. Convenient. Okay. But Jackson Gore killed it in that game. By no <laughs> means did Jake let him win that. <laughs> Sammy Soto is now in the top three of the rookie of the year conversation. Ooh. Oh, we just talked about it. Yeah, I know. And then who who did you have there before if you didn't have him? Right. Trader L- Ellis Allen. Allen? Allen. Yeah, okay. that's the thing. Like, I, so this might, my answer might be different on buy or sell. I don't think this is an overreaction. I think there's genuinely 50% of people that would have Soto in their top three and the other people, 50% would have Allen in their top three. Yeah. I think yeah. based on what Sammy Soto did this weekend – he deserves to be in that conversation. So I don't think it's necessarily an overreaction. If I were to buy it, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably have him at four because Allen has been more consistent right there at the end. So I think Caden Allen would get the nod there with, of course, Trader and Ellis being one, two. Anthony? Um, I'm pulling up a quick text I send to our guy, Jeff McGarriger, because it feeds right into this. <laughs> yes. Caden Allen won five open singles brackets last season. That is what sticks in my head mm-hmm. is Caden Allen has been demonstrating this level of play now in his second year. I know Sammy Soto's just coming and he's doing it now, but I got to give credit credit to Caden, just what he's done historically and what he did last season. So I'm going to say overreaction, uh, but certainly no surprise if Soto ends up in the top three. Logan Chamberlain can win a pro back bracket in singles this year. It is a small open. However, I don't think it's an overreaction because of how he won. It wasn't as if there wasn't luck involved here. For for Chamberlain to adjust his game to be able to run bags and be that hybrid style and throw 50% four baggers, I don't care who you're playing. He beat a world champ on his way there. He beat some of the best players in the world. He beat a rookie of the year candidate. He's shown me that he can do this. So if the question was, he's a top five player, whatever, he's going to finish in top, whatever. 
that may be a little bit of an overreaction, but he's shown that any given day he can be that guy. So I, it can't be an overreaction in my mind. Anthony? It's not an overreaction. Uh, Logan Chamberlain now matches Mark Richards as the only player with three opens titles this season, getting it done in singles. It's not an overreaction. I'll take it a step further, and I'm going to say Logan Chamberlain finishes better than his partner, JBJ, this season, who won a bracket, who won a national. Stop playing. JBJ is a he's a beast. Don't be surprised if Chamberlain finishes nine and JBJ finishes 10. I still think JBJ is a top 10 player. That is hot. You yes. you took it a step further. Yes. I mean, you 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 went out there, Anthony. It, well, somebody, yeah, that, that is. Hey, click that one and put that one on Facebook, Anthony. Let's put go. that one on Facebook. We're gonna do it. <laughs> uh, there's worry about the world champs Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson. It's not an overreaction. I alluded to it. I'm worried. I I don't care. I don't care, Anthony. I don't care. I do. You can <laughs> give me anything that you want to give me. You can talk anything you want. You said you were not scared about them as a team. Well, them as a team in one of the smaller opens all year finished like tenth in their bracket or whatever the hell it was. They lost to two teams they should not have lost to. If you're the team that goes back to back to back. I am not worried. It's not an overreaction. They could get it together, but doesn't mean I'm not worried about it. Anthony? Uh, I'm not worried. I am not worried. Uh, guys, they won three doubles championships months ago. It wasn't years ago. It was just like right there. So I think they're, they're going to show up to the pro season. It's obviously, Batson's ready to go. You start the pro season right now, he's ready to go. It's going to be Grindersleeve, who's going to be grinding. I think he's going to come in ready because I don't think he wants to disappoint Batson. These guys have a tight, tight relationship, good chemistry. I think Grindersleeve comes in ready to roll, and these guys are going to do the same thing they did last year and dominate the doubles division. Gavin Cano has a finishing problem. Overreaction. Hey, yeah, this is an overreaction. This is an overreaction. <laughs> he's a monster. Um, yeah, you know, he did win a singles event last year. He won a shootout. He's been there right at the end. Like, I think, again, sometimes when I look at – when I when you have to look at when, how someone loses, you have to look at how – were they playing differently than what they were doing the entire day that got him there? One of Gavin Cano's two losses was to Logan Chamberlain, who threw 55 out of 56 bags. You know, like sometimes, sometimes you just throw against a guy that throws 55 out of 56 bags in the hole, and you just got to you just gotta give him a high five and say good job. So mm -hmm. uh, overreaction, he's a really good player. He'll, he'll get another big one this year. Yeah, you're not mad when you lose like that. I mean, you're mad that you lost, but you're not mad at yourself because that's unfortunate circumstances on the other side. All right, news around the league. The Southeast Conference event happened over the weekend. Alex Rawls takes the sweep, win singles and no. doubles. What? Yes. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. I got excited <laughs> for a second, Mish. Okay. I was like, wait, it's Alex, not Allen, to be clear, because uh, I feel like it could go either way there. But uh, Blaine Rozier teams up with Alex Rawls to get that doubles win. So uh, if anybody's worried about Alex and his recovery, uh, looks like he's doing just fine. That is Let's just stop there for a sec, Mish. Did you pull Alex out of your top 10 singles list? I don't remember. Trey, honestly. did you pull him out? I did. Who, I had did. Him as, who kept him at know. number four? This guy right here. 
This I guy. think I did leave him in there, but honestly, I can't remember now that you say that. Uh, the West Conference. I don't have had- enough room in the top 10. <laughs> I don't have enough room. I get it. You took out the guy with a bum ankle and a foot. I get it. I get it. It's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> uh, West Conference. Singles. Tony Forbes takes the win. Doubles. Peter and Moses Azueta. So Tony continuing to show his talent. Triple crown event. Singles. Devin Harbaugh. And doubles Mark Richards, Tony Smith. I think I read online that they double dip to get that win too. Uh, Devin and Ryan Windsor. Who was Devin playing with? Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan Windsor? Windsor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Devin tried to get the sweep there, got taken out by Richards and Smith. Guys, real quick on that one. Mark Isley, thank you for the footage. Um, I think that the doubles matchup, Mark Richards, Tony Smith versus Harbaugh in Windsor, really shows where the pros are starting to take this game because we kind of had that behind the board footage from Isley and you get to see how talented these guys are. I mean, the speed and velocity at which these bags, the rotation, the flatness, Devin Harbaugh's ability to put this bag on a straight flat, like it's straight up and down on his cut bag. The way that Tony Smith can roll these slinky bags with precision uh, landing spots and speed. And then Mark Richards, I mean, those matches between those two guys was absolutely why I think that this game is going to be so great and how it's going to keep to evolve. And I think we're going to see these players who have taken the time to figure out flat bags and figure out how to control speed and figure out how to shape shots. They are going to further separate themselves from these guys that used to be successful in the past who have a slide shot and an airmail. I think that that gap is going to continue to grow and it's going to force players with only two shots like a Nico Morales, like a Matt Guy, like a Frank Marlin. It's going to force these guys to go, I have got to develop something else in my game to compete. Anthony's really geeking out today, you guys. Sorry. Jeez, got me going here. <laughs> I'm in the lab. It's I'm in the lab. It's got my, got my lab, lab hat on. Hashtag lab vibes. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to play Mark Richards and Tony Smith for the next eight months. I promise Dude, you, you don't want to do it. This is so bad good. that they're starting early. They're starting early. This is bad for everybody. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, coming up this weekend, the uh, Canada Open. Uh, we're going to get into who to look out for there. Uh, this is our international event. Uh, so, Trey, who are you looking at? Yeah, this is fun. So, I, I give give you an idea, right? So, we I go all the way back to like 2021. We had the first Canadian Open, right? And I go up there. There's 70 people there, 80 people there. Last year, there's you know, 150, I think, showed up. For this first Canadian, which is now part of a series, this first Open this year has over 350 players registered for it. I mean, it's just showing how fast this game is growing. And I can't wait in a couple weeks that we'll talk about the European series as well and how that's expanding. And we have those events coming up as well. But First, I just got to say shout out Matt Pyle and everybody that's working hard north of the border, right, uh, to grow ACL Canada. And it's really becoming something cool. And now I look at this list and it's like there's some names you're starting to recognize when I see results and things of that nature. So first and foremost, you know, I think there's two ways to look at this one. One is first, uh, let's look at it from a pure kind of open general perspective, right? How how are some of these Americans going to fare, right? I think it's still not crazy to say you almost expect a, an American ACL pro to go out there and win 
you know, pr- uh, win open singles. But there's also some Canadian ACL pros that are competing in a Canadian-only centric event. That'll be fun to watch on, on the ACL Canada page when that happens. So it's cool to watch some of them. So from a pure open perspective, you know, I look at this list, I see people like Jordan Power. Jordan Power is someone that went there last year, had success there last year, won that event, and became kind of a recognizable face there. And he got a title out there that was really big and really important to him. So I thought that was that was cool to see. I also see someone like Ryan Smith. Someone like Ryan Smith that can go out there, has the potential to be one of the best players here in the States at any given Open. He goes up there. He's certainly going to be a favorite when we're overall looking uh, at that list. I see someone like Jeremy Shermerhorn, again, not too far to travel for him. Um, and, and I think he's certainly going to be someone that that people look out for. Miranda Coy and Lori Dula seem to make this a, a an annual trip to go up here, right? When you talk about on the women's side of the game and what they can possibly take down as well as just in general, there'll be people that we certainly are watching at the highest level to possibly take that down. But then you look at like, okay, the, the other part of that is we talk about the American players that are going up there that can make a splash, but like who are the next great Canadian players, right? Um, obviously we're still watching some of the great players that we have in Bernie Portalesi, Jamie Cowan, Dion Cuzo was such a great player last year in 2022. Of course, Brandon Brown, he's making, you know, he continues every time he goes to events, he draws a crowd, he draws the energy, people enjoy watching him. And he's going to be so much fun to watch in that regard. But this Canadian pool is getting bigger. And I said this last year, and this is no insult to anybody, but the be- no insult to any great players that are playing in Canada right now. But I said it last year, the best player in Canada five years from now, you don't know who that is. Nobody knows who that is. That person may not be playing cornhole right now. And as this pool continues to grow, that's when we see that depth of talent and that elite level talent really start to rise to the top and really start to create some great cornhole players. So in particular, you know, you know, it's, you know, Connor Weiss is also going to be out there. I think that's a name that he was a pro again last season. He's a pro this season, always at the top of these standings when you look at these finishes, but I'm really excited to see who that next name is, right? Who's that next name that's going to come out there. And, you know, when we start talking about Olympics in you know, eight years from now, who's on that Olympic team from Canada that the Americans aren't going to want to match up against, or they're going to match up around, or they're going to say, okay, look, this guy's going to be the one to get the win. So let's, let's waste a win here in this team's competition and try to load up on these other ones, because eventually there's going to become a player that's like that and has that potential to win. And really I look for events like this to determine exactly who that is. Yeah. Makes sense. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm along with, with Trey on this one that I'm, I'm excited to see some new names, but I'm looking at this roster and I'm going, this is like back in the day, back in 2016, when you show up to a tournament and you go, one of those three teams are going to win this. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> what I'm seeing here. You know, you've got Jordan Power, Joe Neistad, Brady Foster, Jimmy Humans, Nico Morales, and, and, and Schlobaum, which is kind of a fun one. But one of those three guys are going to win this tournament. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at this one. And I'm also looking at this as an opportunity for, you know, maybe like an Evan Vanos, who I think is another rookie that we saw. I'm going to keep mentioning his name because he did kind of, the guy's quiet, good, uh, Mm -hmm. quiet, quiet personality, quiet, good. I think he has the ability to go out 
and maybe jack up a bracket and end up in a final. I don't know who he's playing with in doubles, but I see him here in singles. But yeah, my initial thought is I just did a quick count. There's 325 names I don't recognize and 14 that I do. So I think that we can kind of see who's going to be at the top there, but excited to see some new names uh, make a run at this. All right. Ready for over under. I'm going to give you a number and then you guys tell me if you're going to pick over or under. The first one is 2.5 and the uh, number of pro singles events out of the 10 total that a rookie will win this season. Do you think it's over or under 2.5? Number of pro singles Ooh. events out of 10 that a rookie will win this season. Yeah. So help, me so, with, help me with those 10. Is that shootout? So you format? have the yeah, four shootout format, four uh, national format, and then the two pro singles and pro gotcha. doubles world championships. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say the number is two. Um, and I think it's fair to completely fair to say two, right? When I stack up the field, you got to think about it from an odds perspective. I'm talking about a field of 200 and about 200 players versus about 50 players, rookies versus non. So already the odds are playing in my favor. And then when you look at the, the field of players that can physically win a tournament of that size, again, I think there's going to be a couple rookies that'll win one, but tough to say that someone's going to go on some type of dominating fashion. We didn't lose Mark Richards. We didn't lose jbj we didn't lose tony smith we didn't lose all these players that were part of that conversation not to mention these players that were calling breakout players so i'm gonna go under and say it's two anthony that that number is put in the perfect spot uh if you if it was three uh that would be easy for me to go under but that's that's a good spot to put it i'm also gonna go under and i don't think that it says anything about our rookies i just think that obviously if we talk about the number of pros that aren't rookies that could win it really outweigh the four or five rookies that I think could win it. It's just a, an imbalance in the, in the math, the, um, the probability. So I'm going to go under. All right. 3.5. The number of pros from the state of Texas that will finish the season in the top 10. Oh, that's awesome. This is all we've been talking about really... is how difficult the top 10 is. That is I awesome. I think I'm going to go under and I don't like it. Um, but I'm thinking like it's probably going to be Caleb Batson, Gavin Cano, and then maybe uh, one of a Sammy Sono, JBJ, or Logan Chamberlain. I just all of those are possible to get into that top ten. We haven't even talked about Braden Wilson or AJ Sims or anybody like that. But top ten worthy. I feel like at some point the numbers play themselves out. I just don't see all of those guys being in to squeeze in and kick everybody else out. So I got to go under and say it's three, but there's definitely potential for it to be up to, I think realistically five or six. It's crazy. Crazy. Anthony. Yeah. I'm just going to use my top 10 list. I'm looking at it right now. I've got two, I've got Batson and Kano with JBJ and Chamberlain right outside. So I'm just going to go with that and say under. Under, okay, 1.5. The number of women's singles events that Cheyenne Bubenheim does not win that she attends. <laughs> Remember, I said she's going to get them all. Uh, yeah, so Misha's hot take is like is is already locked in, so we know locked. she's going to the end. It's locked. <laughs> that I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over and say it's two. And part of the reason I say that is because, in all honesty – she swept everything last year. However, 
I think her biggest possible test was Bella Soprano. Yeah. And I have reason to believe Bella is going to be able to commit to more events this season. And I think, although Cheyenne is still going to win a majority, I still would say that Bella is going to steal a couple from her. Um, and there may be another, you know, Cameron Belvin's still really good. Sam Finley throwing incredible. Sam Finley just opened like a business and she's, she's playing better, like practicing. Less. Yes. Like, yes. It's like, just keep, like, don't play any cornhole, Sam, and just show up to events. Cause it's working. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, so I, I'm going to go over here and it's not because I think she takes a dip, but I just think there are other players that are in there in the mix. Anthony. Trey nailed it. I was going to go to the, the Bella argument as well. I think she's going to be the threat to that number. I'm, I'm going to go over as well. 10.45, the highest PPR that will win a pro tournament this season. I thought about this. A lot of me wanted to take an under because we're seeing so much of those hybrid players. I think on average, the best tournament winning PPR this year is going to be between a 9.8 and a 10.1. I think it's in that range is what you want to score. Now, if we're just saying one event, I'm going to take the over. And the reason I'm going to take the over is, is I think there's going to be an event in which we get a Matt Guy win, or there's going to be an event in which we get a Jeremiah Ellis or a Logan Chamberlain that we just saw this past weekend where they throw in it, or Devin Harbaugh. We've seen him do it before. Yeah. We see the same high PPR, even though they're still doing all these different things that have made them successful and that gets them into that 10, five, 10, six range. So I will say over on the 10, four, five. Anthony. I'm also going to agree on the over. Uh, it, it, it's, it's heavily going to be under, right? I think I think we can agree with that. That that style of game at nine eight, nine nine, ten with the with the one DPR, um, with that with that dirty game is going to win. But the Matt guy factor is always a factor. This guy could come in and do it. But I think you can put Devin Harbaugh into that same Matt guy factor. Who his his game is a high PPR game, but he has that extra shot or two. Uh, I wouldn't be if I had to call it a name. I think it's going to be Devin Harbaugh who's going to win it, and it's going to be with like a ten-seven or something crazy like that. Insane. Seven. The final singles ranking for Jamie Graham at the end of the season. Season over under seven. I just I just did a live feed. I just called the live feed of Jamie Graham and yeah. Frank Modlin this weekend in their regional. Jamie Graham went zero and two in singles. Yeah. Did he do regional. that last year? Didn't he do that last year and then win the world championship? That's this what guy me. doesn't make. He's not real. He doesn't. Wait, what did make he sense. finish last season? What did he finish? He finished like third, third, third? yeah, third because Rawls got second, right? Yeah, and then Graham. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Like this is impossible. <laughs> like this doesn't. I just like I'm to say higher. That. I'm gonna I say higher. Like I say he finishes that. like nine or ten. I don't know. I always like to remind you, Trey, that you wrote this. <laughs> I know. It's a, You're acting it, like it, we we brought it on to you. <laughs> but it, I usually put things on here that make my brain go crazy because that's what I think is interesting. So, like, it, it, I don't know. I'm going to go over um, okay. and say it's worse. I, he's just not playing to his potential right now. I, I just, I'm just not seeing it yet. Anthony? He doesn't make it easy. Um, I know. <laughs> But you know, my first thought is, is okay, regionals, he just doesn't care. That's my first thought. But then I watched some of the footage this this last weekend in the regional, and he is he cares. I mean, he's in these matches. He's upset with himself. He's having huddles 
with his partners to try and figure it out. Um, you know, timing of those huddles might've been a little suspect, but you know, he wants to win, you know what I'm saying? And last year he did the same thing. He, he would underperform in these local things and then he comes out and wins a world championship. So I'm just going to go back to my top 10. I think I'm the only one that held on to him. I believe in him. I believe that it comes pro season and he's a different person. I have Jamie Graham at five right now. So I'm going to say under under. All right. Hot takes time. What you got, Trey? Uh, hot take, hot take. All right. Uh, so Logan Chamberlain, I believe, finished 12 last year in pro single standings. Hot take. He's better than that this year. And that yep. doesn't give you a lot of room. And he may no, finish not. 11th, uh, but I'm sticking <laughs> to it that he's going to finish better this year than what he did last year because he's playing better than he played last year. And I think yeah, that's important. Fair. Trey, to extend that hot take, does he finish better than JBJ? <laughs> the problem is, Anthony, I just don't know. I know I don't know what JBJ bounces back to this year. I don't have a measuring stick for JBJ right now. I can't yeah. go all the way there. So no. Okay. So all no. Right. I will not okay. go log that one. Log yours. that one. Okay. Log in it. Log in it. Anthony, hot take. Um, I'm gonna go to the uh Canadian Open, uh, looking at singles. So you've got a top 10 singles finisher in the field like Joe K, who's who's on the up. He's out of the funk. You got a world champion, Jordan Power in the field, Jimmy Humans, who's playing out of his mind, Ryan Smith. I think these are the guys we would go to to say you're gonna win this thing. My hot take is Nico Morellis or Frank Verona are gonna win it. And if you held my feet to the fire, I'm gonna go. Nico Morellis wins it, and we know that that bag running, quick to the airmail strategy doesn't win championships. So Nico Morellis taking it down. That's interesting. So you guys mentioned some names, the obvious these guys should win it names. So I'm going to go outside of that, otherwise it wouldn't be hot. So Connor Weiss and Steve DeRicke for the win in Canada. Oh, jeez. Wow. Well, I can't the obvious ones. Then I have Misha's lukewarm takes, and nobody likes that. So Not lukewarm this week, Mish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're either melting the earth with your hot take or or, or it's uh, uh, my ice-cold water take over here. Melting the earth. I don't know. I don't usually like to live in the black and white. I'm usually the gray area, but we're going for it. All right, guys. That's all we got time for. Enjoy the cornhole this weekend in Canada, and we'll see you next time.